the high school teacher mysteriously disappeared. Did she go on vacation without telling anyone? Or was she taken against her will? Could forensic science find the answer? Not all students do well in traditional schools. For teenagers in San Antonio, Texas, the Robbins Academy is an alternative for high school students who need extra help. Well, Robbins takes two kinds of students. Students who just simply don't do well in, in the sort of traditional high school environment and also students who have failed out of disciplinary issues, attendance issues, um, behavioral issues. 58-year-old Diane Tilly was one of the school's founders. Her success with troubled students earned her the nickname The Miracle Worker. Diane Tilly was the kind of teacher who really believed in her students and saw potential in them, and they responded to that. And she had something about her that she was able to work with um, these individuals and um, get the most out of them, motivate them, um, raise their self-esteem. The day before Thanksgiving in 2004, Diane Tilly wasn't at school at her usual time. So her co-workers drove over to her home to check on her. Well, they knocked on the door. There was no answer. They looked in the window. They saw that the place was just in, in a state of, of disarray. They became alarmed. Police were called to the scene, and they knew immediately there had been a robbery. It's ransacked. Things scattered all over the place. The house looked like it had been turned inside out. Even the linen closet had completely been gone through. I just started thinking to myself, okay, what could have happened here? Electronic equipment was missing from the home, as was Diane's 357 Magnum pistol she kept for protection. The most ominous clue in the very beginning was the bullet hole through the couch that had lodged in the floor in the front room. So there was a threat of violence from the very beginning. Police technicians found no foreign fingerprints in Diane's home, and Diane's car was missing. The lack of blood evidence raised the possibility that Diane might not have been home when the crime occurred. So I was kind of waiting to see if Maybe she would come through the door and say, hey, who, why are y'all here? You know, what happened to my house? But there were other clues that signaled trouble. In the bedroom, detectives found an empty condom wrapper on the floor and a pair of tennis shoes with one of the laces missing. Diane's purse was still in the home, but her ATM card was gone. On the kitchen table, investigators found three ATM withdrawal receipts, time-stamped around 8 p.m. from the night before. Interestingly, all three withdrawals were unsuccessful. But who would forget their PIN number three times and still have a transaction receipt come out? There's something, something's not right with this. So investigators decided to set a trap. They asked Diane's bank to keep her account open. And so I was like, please use that card. Please use that card so that we can zero in on you and we can find you. And hopefully we could find Diane Tilly as well. 
disappearance of Diane Tilly made headlines in San Antonio, Texas. She had helped many students with learning problems and in the process made many friends. Most students don't talk to their teachers about their personal problems, but almost all the students talk to her about theirs. Diane was a divorced mother of two grown children. She lived alone, which explained why no one seemed to know where she was. Investigators spoke to her boyfriend, a municipal court judge who lived in Dallas 300 miles away. He told police he was in Dallas the previous night, and he'd spoken with Diane at 6 p.m. Phone records confirmed his story. This was a serious relationship. This was not someone who was, you know, vindictive or out to, to harm her in any form or fashion. He was overly concerned for her welfare. Police checked the airlines and found no evidence that Diane took a flight to Dallas or anywhere else for that matter. And they had to consider whether any of Diane's students might have wanted to harm her. That was something that we really looked at carefully. Her students were troubled kids, uh, troubled youth. Like I said, some of them with, with uh, uh, backgrounds, uh, gang member backgrounds and, and things like that. While investigators looked into that possibility, they had only one sure lead to follow. The ATM receipts found on Diane's kitchen counter. A code number on the receipts identified the ATM that rejected Diane's card. It was inside a Shell gas station just a mile from Diane's home. Fortunately, there were high-quality security cameras. We were able to actually see an individual walk up to the ATM, attempt to use the ATM card, and then leave the store with the three declined transaction receipts in his hand. The man was black or Hispanic, tall and thin. Twenty minutes later, a young girl used Diane's ATM card at another location. On this attempt, the girl used the correct PIN number and successfully withdrew $400 from Diane's account. And the two were driving what appeared to be a Fleetwood Cadillac, which looked like Diane Tilly's car. A few hours later, a motorist found Diane's car on fire in a deserted field. When I got to the scene and saw them extinguishing her car... I remember thinking, God, please don't let her be in that trunk of that car. Fortunately, she wasn't. Another witness saw a white pickup truck leave the scene, but he didn't get the license plate number. They gave the same descriptions of the suspects that we had in the surveillance videos. Back in Diane Tilly's home, investigators were able to find a partial fingerprint on a liquor bottle. I think that he wore gloves through most of the, uh, most of what was going on in Diane Tilly's house. He apparently took the gloves off long enough to uh, enjoy a drink from some scotch that Diane Tilly had in her kitchen, uh, thus leaving the, the, the fingerprint on the bottom of the bottle. Investigators desperately wanted to find the man and young girl using Diane's ATM card. They knew that Diane Tilly's life 
might depend on it. We're just all holding our breath, and there are many prayers going up, I can assure you today, for her. I'm angry, and I want to know where she's at, and I just, I just miss her. I'm afraid to go outside. We have not found a body. Uh, we have not found uh, substantial amounts of blood. Something's not right. The prime suspects in Diane Tilly's disappearance were the middle-aged man and young girl who were last seen driving a white pickup truck. Every policeman in the area was on the lookout. And it wasn't long before a patrolman stopped two people in a motel parking lot who fit that description. They were identified as 15-year-old Pearl Cruz and her 33-year-old father, Ronnie Neal. Both denied any involvement in Diane Tilly's disappearance, but they admitted stealing her car. He said, I was at a car wash, and I found Diane Tilly's car. And he said, you're not going to believe this, but uh, the car was, was, was running, and the door was open, and there was all this stuff in it, and I just couldn't resist it. And how did he get Diane Tilly's ATM card? Well, what he said was, uh, in the uh, glove box of this car, he found Diane Tilly's ATM card, and with a little piece of paper just below it with the PIN number. I knew he was lying. I mean, there's... You could tell by his body language, by just, just everything that, that came out of his mouth was a lie. Neil said he was following Diane's disappearance in the news and didn't want to be linked to it, so he got rid of Diane's car. His story made no sense whatsoever. This was just a man who was just grasping at straws. A background check revealed... Ronnie Neal had multiple convictions for robbery and had recently been released from prison for a weapons violation. And police discovered a link between Diane Tilly and Ronnie Neal. Ronnie met Diane first through his lawn mowing business. Diane had apparently hired him to do some work in her yard. Ronnie Neal's fingerprint matched the partial print found on the liquor bottle in Diane's home. And a check of Neil's cell phone records indicate he called his ex-wife on the night of Diane Tilly's abduction. He gets on his cell phone, he calls Elisa Stanley, Pearlene Cruz's mother, and we actually have this cell phone bouncing, bouncing off a, t uh, a tower. The area was about 15 miles from Diane Tilly's home, an area encompassing hundreds, if not thousands, of acres. It did, however, lead to speculation. I believe he was standing over the body of Diane Tilly when he called uh, Elisa Stanley. When questioned, Elisa Stanley confirmed the call, but claimed she knew nothing about Diane's abduction. According to Miss Stanley, Neil told her he came into some money and asked her to go shopping. Despite this evidence, Ronnie Neal refused to cooperate. So police focused on his daughter, Pearl. She, too, refused to cooperate, at least initially. I recall being very angry with, with Pearl Ann over what happened with Diane Tilly and telling her that there wasn't a day that was going to go by that she wasn't going to think about this. And after 10 days in custody, 
Pearl led police to Diane's body. It was the area where Ronnie Neal made his cell phone call. A deserted field under a pile of brush 15 miles from Diane's home. Although the body was badly decomposed, it was clear that she'd been shot several times. Her hands were bound with a dark blue polyester shoelace that looked like the missing shoelace from Diane's tennis shoes. Both laces had the same tiny specks. Delustering agents added to synthetic fibers to reduce the shine. And there were other similarities. The plastic pieces on the end of the shoelaces are called aglets. The aglets were the same size and the same color on both shoelaces. Dental records confirmed the body was Diane Tilly. Everybody had a tremendous emotional uh, reaction. It was very, very depressing. It really was. Um, it was very sad. There seemed to be no good at all to take out of this story, no good that could come out of it. Inside Neil's motel room, investigators found Diane's 357 handgun, her luggage, and electronic equipment. The bullets recovered from Diane's body were badly damaged, but the bottom part was relatively intact. I didn't have the whole bullet, but that at least had the entire circumference of the base that I could examine. Ballistic experts could discern the lands and grooves on the bottom of the fatal bullets. The bullets test fired from Diane's gun were the same as those that killed her. You're looking for these matching scratches. They have to have the same type of character. In other words, the depth or the width of them and uh, the spacing between them. Despite the amount of decomposition, scientists recovered a biological sample from Diane's body, which matched Ronnie Neal's DNA profile, proof of sexual assault. Eventually, Pearl told investigators the entire story of what happened to Diane Tilly, one very difficult to believe. Finding Diane Tilly's body, police arrested 33-year-old Ronnie Neal and his 15-year-old daughter Pearl Cruz and charged them both with kidnapping and murder. Investigators discovered that Ronnie Neal had done some landscaping work for Diane, and she even gave him a swing set she no longer needed. Diane took a little bit of care to engage Pearl when they went over to pick up the swing set. She mentioned something to Pearl about, you know, I like your, your nail polish, it's pretty. And I think she asked Pearl where she went to school. Pearl Cruz told investigators that she and her father planned almost from the start to rob Diane. Well, it's a, it's a very disturbing story. It's disturbing on many levels. It's not an easy story to digest at all. On the night of the murder, Pearl knocked on Diane's door 
and told her their truck broke down a few blocks away and asked to use the telephone. Once inside, Pearl pulled a gun, then opened the side door for her father. Neil tied Diane's hands with a shoelace from one of her tennis shoes, then stole her gun and ATM card. Neil took a drink of scotch, leaving his partial print on the bottom of the bottle, then asked Diane for the PIN number for her ATM card. While Pearl guarded Diane, Neil went to the ATM to withdraw money from Diane's account. That's when he discovered Diane had given him the wrong number. So he returned to the house and threatened to kill Diane's cat unless she gave him the correct pin number. At some point, Neil fired a warning shot into the sofa. Diane gave him the correct pin number and the cat was unharmed. Neil left the rejected ATM receipts on the dining room table, packed Diane's car with stolen belongings, and sexually assaulted her. Then all three people, Ronnie, Pearl, and Diane, drove away in her car. They found a different ATM machine, and this time, Pearl successfully withdrew $400 from Diane's account. From there, they took Diane to the deserted field. And Diane's final words were about forgiveness. The last thing Pearl said she heard Diane say was, bless this child. According to cell phone records, Neil stood over Diane's body and called Pearl's mother, telling her he had recently come into some money and suggested they all go shopping. Later, Neil ditched Diane's car and set it on fire, thinking they had destroyed all the forensic evidence. But they still left plenty behind. If Ronnie Neal is not executed by the state, then it will really be a travesty. We, the jury, find the defendant, Ronnie Joe Neal, guilty of capital murder. In April of 2006, Ronnie Neal was tried and convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death by lethal injection. Pearl's life was spared in exchange for her testimony. She was sentenced to 30 years in prison. If you're looking for a teenager who's going to get right while incarcerated, I'm afraid you're going to have to wait in Pearl's case. She's a deeply disturbed and abused uh, individual. Psychopaths are not born, they're created. And Pearl Ann Cruz was, was certainly created. People who knew Diane Tilly are struck by the irony. Pearl was exactly the type of child Diane devoted her life to. Diane would have connected with her, and she could have turned her around. In the end, Pearl Cruz's eyewitness testimony helped, but investigators say they could have gotten a conviction without it. 
we didn't have to rely on anybody's independent testimony to, to convict Ronnie Neal. We wouldn't have had to put one person except for the scientists on the stand to convict this guy. Not knowing science the way we know science, you know, these criminals just don't think, and that's, that's an advantage for us.